Hello, and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay Arena, United Methodist Church. We think it's important, not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, uh, please visit our website, fvumc.org, for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website or Facebook page or YouTube channel, you can enjoy the venue with us, which is a worship service crafted for community online, or you can join our live in-person services online at 1010 for our contemporary, 1115 for our traditional. If you'd like to worship in person with us, we have worship at 9 o'clock and 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day, we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Well, hey friends, it is a gift to be in worship with you all today. If we have not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Hope and I serve as one of the pastors here. And today we will be continuing on in our sermon series, Reflecting the Image of God. And recently I was telling a friend about this series as we were kind of preparing for it. And they told me about this book by a professor named Paul Frozy, as I think how to say his last name. He is actually a professor of sociology at Baylor University. And about 10 years ago, he wrote a book that outlined four different ways that Americans tend to conceive of God. Now, this is a sociology book, not a theological book. So it is more kind of asking people how they tend to conceive of God. And when they surveyed people from all across the U.S., there was nearly a quarter of those people that conceived of our God as a distant God. So it was kind of the primary characteristic of how they viewed God. Now, we don't have time this morning to go into all of his work, though it certainly seems super fascinating. But I do think that whether or not it is conscious, whether or not it is intentional, we tend to regularly think of our relationship with God as kind of distant relationship. We tend to think of God, particularly I think in the creation narrative, of a God that just spoke creation into being, that took the globe, kind of spun it into motion, stepped back, kind of wiped his hands and let it all run while God steps back and watches the world kind of unfold before God. However, as we have been in the midst of this series, as we have been kind of reflecting on the image of God over and over again, we have been talking about how our God is not a distant God. As we started the series, if you were here that very first week, Owen reminded us through the chair analogy that our God so deeply desires to be in relationship with us, that our God continues to open the door for relationship with us, even when we turn away. God is going to continue to find a way to seek us out so that if we desire to be in relationship with God, then there is an openness uh, for us to be able to turn back towards God. And the next week, we looked at the creation narrative, and Owen reminded us that in our creation story, we find our calling, that our creation actually is our calling and our vocation. And we actually are going to come back to that a little bit today. And I'm hopeful that if you were with us last week as well, you got to experience our live painter that was at our live services at 10 and 11.15. So if you were worshiping with us at the venue, I'd encourage you to go back and see Tears of Vegas as she painted live while Saul preached on the woman at the well. 
And it was just such a, a beautiful sermon that reminded us that God saw the image of God in this woman at the well, even when it was hard for her to see that in herself. And so many people had kind of either overtly or not told her that she was not somebody that belonged. And I really particularly loved that Saul named that our God saw the fullness of who she was and loved her just for that because she was somebody who is beloved and created in the image of our God. Again, all of these weeks, as we've been talking about what it looks like to reflect the image of God, we have been reminded that our God is not a distant God, but that our God so deeply desires to be in relationship with each and every one of us. From the very beginning, if we look back at the creation story in Genesis chapter 2, we see that our God is not distant as God picks up the dust from the ground informed humans into God's image. Genesis 2-7 says that God breathed into us the breath of life so that we became a living being. I also really love the verse that follows. So this is Genesis 2-8 that tells us that the very first thing that God did after creating us was to plant a garden. It says the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east where he put humans whom he had formed. Just a few verses after, God gives us our vocation in verse 15. It says, The Lord took the man or took them and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. God planted the garden and God invites us into the work of tilling and keeping it, giving us the authority to tend to and to care for plants and animals, to care for one another in all of creation. And I think it is important to name here that God doesn't only desire to be in relationship with us, but that our God desires to actually be in partnership with us. That's what we're going to spend the rest of the morning talking about. Sometimes I think we get this notion that our job as Christians is simply to worship our God. Maybe that looks like coming on Sundays and glorifying and worshiping our God for all that God has made, all that God has done, all that God will do in the world. And we think that that is kind of our only responsibility as Christians is to, to do that here. And this morning, I saw something as I was leaving my house that I think is maybe a helpful analogy here. There was a group of people that were working on repaving the road right outside of our house. And so as I drove out of my driveway, I saw that there were kind of groups of people working on different projects around. And in one particular case, as often happens, there were about three people working on a project together. And one of them was, I should say, working on a project together. One of them was working and doing all the work while the other two were working. And I'm sure they had an important job and were probably supervising to make sure that person was safe. And yet, nonetheless, those two people that were standing by, they were simply cheering that person on, making sure that they were doing kind of the right things, I think. But that was, that was their role, was to stand by and watch the work that was happening, to cheer that person on, say, you know gosh, what a good job you are doing today. And I think sometimes we think that living into the fullness of what it means to be Christians is to be like that, to simply be bystanders as we see and watch God work in the world, to kind of be cheerleaders and say like, yes, God, we worship you. Keep doing such great things, God. However, our job as people that have been created in the image of God is not simply to be bystanders who sit idly by and worship our God but rather we have been created to actually be in active partnership with our God. If we are simply standing by and watching what God is doing and singing God's praises, then we aren't living into the fullness of who we've been created to be. Now, 
don't get me wrong. I think it is beautiful and such an important and sacred part of our creation that we have been designed to create the one or to worship the one who created us, to worship our God. But our partnership with God is about so much more than us simply praising God and waiting until we die and go on to glory when we get to praise God forever and ever and ever. Amen. I think this idea of God's partnership with us is such a a beautiful kind of illustration, such a beautiful invitation that God gives to us. And yet it also is a very radical idea. It's not something that we tend to think about when we think about the creator of all the universe inviting us into relationship and partnership with God. It also is not something that is familiar to us when we think about the relationship between a king as we know it and the people that the king is kind of ruling over. What is different about our God is that our God actually invites us to share power with God in a very particular kind of way, one that we actually are not used to kind of seeing or understanding. If you were with us a few weeks ago, Owen talked about how typically kings were actually called images of God. So these are kings of the day, non-religious kings. Uh, and yet in our creation narrative, we see that God has something to say about that, that the kind of authority that we tend to simply reserve as a king is an authority that is not just given to some people that are in a position of power, but rather in our creation narrative, we see that all people have been created in the image of God. People have been given the authority to rule on God's behalf just by the nature of our creation. We aren't invited to rule the way that other kings tend to rule. We're invited to rule in a way that God invites us into something, into partnership with God. Other kings, when they have something to be done, they tend to get their servants to go and do that to make sure that it gets done. And these servants are people that have all of the responsibility to carry out the task. And yet they have none of the authority to decide maybe what the next task is that needs to be done or how to even do the task that they have been asked to do. And during my first several years as a pastor and in ministry, I had a ministry coach and I could really go on on all day long about her because she was pretty incredible. But one of the things that she has taught me, particularly as I have been building and equipping teams, she has talked a lot about how there's a difference between authority and responsibility and that both are important in kind of thinking through as we lead teams. If I give somebody the responsibility to plant a garden in my name, I'm just going to use this as an example today, but that person or that team has none of the authority to decide what goes in the garden or what schedule they want to have for planting things or even what food they want to eat from the garden and therefore what they want to plant, then they aren't actually well-equipped to carry out the goal and the task of planting a garden unless I am there kind of micromanaging them. This team has no say in what they are doing, no authority. Then when they finish the task, they have to come back to me and ask like, okay, what's next? Or they come back and say, all right, how did I do? And then I critique them and tell them what to do differently. And if this is the case, really and truly, all that I'm actually doing is imposing my will upon them as an authority figure without actually handing off any authority for this garden to this team, to be able to invite them into cultivation and having a vision for what flourishing might look like in this garden. Now, I have to imagine that if any of you have ever had a boss 
that likes to micromanage or if you have ever been on a project team or had a project lead where that person is micromanaging you, then you can relate to just how awful this might feel to have all of the responsibility and yet none of the authority. But God invites us into a different kind of ruling, not a power over where we have no authority, but all of the responsibility, nor does God invite us into a reality where God is simply a distant bystander that exists only to critique us and to tell us how we have fallen short of God's will for us. Our God invites us into partnership with God, partnership that comes both with authority and with responsibility. God easily could have chosen to live without us humans. But over and over again, we see throughout the course of scripture and throughout the course of time that God chooses to partner with us. Throughout scripture, God is inviting us into what God is doing to restore the world and our relationship with God. In the person of Jesus, we get to see clearly what this partnership can look like at its best and what it looks like that God is inviting us to be kind of co-rulers or partners in building the kingdom of God. And Jesus regularly talks about the kind of kingdom that he is helping to usher in. And he has this team of disciples that he partnered with as he is leading and equipping in the midst of this work. And if we look at the teaching and the life of Jesus, we see the texture of this kingdom where Jesus ruled by serving others and through friendship, where in the kingdom of God that Jesus is inviting us into, the first are actually last, where Jesus loved his friends and also his enemies and people he was not supposed to love. We see that Jesus healed the sick, that there's something about this kingdom that invites us into the fullness, flourishing, and wholeness. And also we see that in this kingdom, Jesus included people that regularly were outsiders or people who would have been beyond the bounds of who was typical to be included in the life of community. All along in the midst of Jesus' work, he is showing his disciples what it means to be in partnership with him so that we can learn from one another more fully about what the kingdom of God looks like. And when it is clear that kind of things are wrapping up and Jesus is about to be ushering in the kingdom, his disciples get a little bit confused about what kind of kingdom that Jesus is ushering in. So they ask him actually for authority in that kingdom, which they believe is to sit at Jesus's right hand and left hand in his glory, to be in God's presence and to worship him. And in this moment, we get to see Jesus reveal a little bit more about what kind of kingdom he's ushering in as he kind of corrects this question that two of his disciples are asking. So our scripture comes from Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Then Jesus says to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Appoint us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, We are able. But then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to appoint, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the 10 heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So this 
insight here in verse 41 tells us that the rest of the disciples are all there together while they hear two of the disciples ask for this position of authority. And so they get pretty angry within themselves. So Jesus kind of begins to course correct. So in verse 42, Jesus um, called them and said to them, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them. And their great ones are tyrants over them. Jesus is naming here of what it looks like to be king in the typical worldly type of way. And he explains a little bit more about what, what he is doing in verse 43. But it is not so among you. Instead, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be the first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served and to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In this passage, Jesus is telling them, that to be great in the kingdom of God is not to be a tyrant that rules over more people or more kingdoms or to lord authority and power over somebody else. He also says, nor is it to have a fancy seat on the throne where they can be bystanders to the work of God. However, Jesus is telling them that to be great in the kingdom of God is actually to be least to be servants. That the people doing the work of serving one another and giving your life in service to the kingdom of God in partnership with God, not to sit idly by. Jesus shows us what it means to be a partner with God in this work of bearing God's image in the world. Through his life and his teachings, Jesus taught that the last would be first, that to have power and wealth and dominion over one another does not actually make you great, but rather what makes you great is loving your enemy, caring for your neighbor, and leading through servanthood. Jesus invites us back into the way that God has intended us to live all along, to be in partnership with God in stewardship of all of creation, not through exerting power over one another or exerting power over the land, however, through stewardship and servanthood, through giving of ourselves to love and to care for the image of God that we see reflected in each and every single person that we come across. Friends, the gift and the challenge of this invitation that God gives to us is that this is a costly invitation. It would be a whole lot easier to sit idly by and to praise God while God works. It would be a lot easier to live into the way of the kings and kingdom that teach us to accrue more power and more wealth so that we have more authority over more and more people and more wealth. However, God invites us to be partners in this work, to both have responsibility and authority on God's behalf, to steward our land and our communities so that they look more like the kingdom of God. We have the gift of living into our purpose every second of every day. And admittedly, this is way harder than just spending an hour praising God each week and kind of checking that box and saying, yep, I have done my Christian responsibilities for the week. And yet, I think it is so much more beautiful than anything we can imagine to get to partner with the very creator of our universe to partner with the one whose image we bear, to live into the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, to live into the way of Jesus by giving of ourselves for one another, not just for an hour a week, but in all that we do and everything that we embody. My hope is that as we begin to live more fully as a community here at Fuquaverina United Methodist Church, we can live more fully into this kingdom way that Jesus has set before us so that our lives and our communities are transformed such that when others see us, they see a foretaste of the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. They see 
in the ways in which we live together in community and care for one another and serve one another, the way that Jesus has invited us to be in partnership with our God, such that when people see us, they might see the image of God reflected in each and every one of us. Friends, may it be so. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith with the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org, to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, And while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay Varina area. Um, fvumc.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Varina United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.